0: The family of a
1: man who died of COVID-19 in Ontario at the worst hit long-term care home has launched a $1.5 million lawsuit against the facility. It was filed against Southbridge Care Homes and its 294-bed Orchard Villa long-term care and retirement home there The novel coronavirus has infected at least 96 staff and 225 residents, and it's killed at least 72 people. Those numbers are just appalling. The family of former resident Paul Parks alleged that his death occurred as a direct result of negligence and breach of contract. Joining me now to talk about this, Melissa Miller, a partner at Howie Sachs & Henry Law Firm. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Livy. So uh, tell me about this lawsuit. The family obviously devastated. Paul Parks died back on April the 15th of COVID 19.
2: Yeah, I mean, this lawsuit, I think, is the tip of the iceberg of what we're going to see. Certainly, this is just the first of many families that I've been contacted by to issue uh, lawsuits against Orchard Villa. uh, And I've also been contacted by families of other homes as well. And uh, I've also filed claims against Lundy Manor on behalf of some families there, which is a retirement home. And and I was listening to you talk with Jane and Morgan about the long-term care system, but the retirement homes have been affected as well by all of this. So this is, this is, just, this is just the start of it. Can you, uh, I, I mean,
1: what is it that you have to show in this lawsuit? Because I'm assuming that the, uh, uh, the argument would be, you know, it's a pandemic. We were hit by it, as was every other long-term care home, uh, whatever those arguments are.
2: Yeah, look, I mean, these cases haven't been fully investigated yet, but as evidence has been coming to light, mostly through whistleblowers in the media, people who are actually working at these homes and families who have come out and, and discussed uh, in public and with me what they've seen, what they've been told, It's it's primarily two issues um lack of physical distancing is is one i think the biggest issue is the lack of personal protection equipment and we just heard morgan talking about how that's been the biggest issue because we've got uh you know understaffing is already a huge issue and and that's a component of this as well but when you're not protecting the an infected residents or potentially infected residents and staff uh from an outbreak then with with having that proper equipment I mean, that's just a non-starter right there. What, uh, can they not argue saying,
1: hey, we just don't
2: have the PPE? Of course they can, and they will. They absolutely will, I'm sure of it. But the, the Long-Term Care Homes Act has regulations in place that mandate every single long-term care facility to have in place an emergency measures plan and a plan for outbreaks, including viral respiratory infections. And that's exactly what this is. And there's lots of epidemiological evidence out there that far preceded the novel coronavirus COVID-19 that should have alerted the administrators and owners of these homes to have that kind of plan in place. And, you know, Jane was talking about SARS. We've gone through this with SARS, and this is more contagious and and it is incumbent upon these homes to anticipate what could be an outbreak. And, and let's not forget that COVID-19 is exceptionally deadly to the elderly and are vulnerable, but so is the flu and so are other types of illnesses and outbreaks. So the, the virus itself might be new, but protecting our elderly from viral infections and outbreaks is not new at all. It's been there all along.
1: Uh yeah, I mean, uh that was one of the original arguments that proved not to be true. This is just another flu. It's obviously more than that. Of course. Of course. Uh so, uh how do you proceed now w- with this lawsuit?
2: Well, I mean, we're I heard I heard several people call for a public inquiry. I know that's been happening at the government level. Um, we heard Morgan uh, and Jane talking about that, and there was another call-in caller talking about that. I think that's what we need here. Quite frankly, uh, I'm at an evidentiary disadvantage. I'm relying on... Uh, what some of the staff and the families have told me. I'm relying on the public bulletins that are on the the websites about what steps have been put in place. I mean, the evidence that I have so far from the families that I've spoken with is that when COVID first broke out in Orchard Villa, they were treating it like the flu. And they told families that, don't worry, it's just the flu. And that was as late as early April. Wow. And the testing of the residents wasn't done in a timely fashion. And they because they weren't treating it as possibly COVID, uh, again, this is the evidence that I have now, um, they weren't protecting people as if it was COVID. And so I think we've got an issue there, but we do need to have more of an inquiry at a public level so we can get to the bottom of this, because as we've been talking about, this is not just a COVID issue. These issues are systemic and long predated COVID.
1: Yeah, we just had the Justice Glees inquiry. And as I said, there were 91 recommendations. The problem was they weren't implemented. Yeah, of course. Uh, I, mean, and, so, yeah, I mean, shouldn't we just move to maybe implementing some of them?
2: Well, I think the problem with imp- implementing some of those recommendations is that they're trying to be implemented in a system that, is very focused on for-profit care. So I think part of the inquiry needs to be whether, uh, as we've heard from uh, the NDP party, that is something that needs to be, we need to get rid of it. Uh, You've said that uh, this is
1: just one of many people. There's also, uh, you know, a... a potential uh, $100 million class action lawsuit. Uh, Do you foresee a possibility? I mean, could these things put all these nursing homes out of business? And what happens
2: then? Well, there is uh, most of these uh, facilities will have insurance that will respond. And I, I can't tell you sitting here today whether these insurance policies have pandemic clauses in them as an exclusion or not. I don't know. Uh, I also don't know if these homes will have to pay a deductible for the occurrence or for each case. Um, I, I really don't know. But there there is insurance that that each of these homes will have. Whether these homes will have to contribute a, a part of that, I don't know. But certainly these homes are for-profit homes and should be held to account. Okay, They're well- taking public dollars. Melissa Miller, I hope that
1: you will keep us updated on the progress of this and and what happens. And uh, thank you very much for sharing this with us.
2: Absolutely. Thanks so much, Libby. Okay, bye-bye. Bye.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.